0: So, so how was your day?
1: Oh, it was great. I had a, uh, we actually just moved, um, oh, oh, actually I started my day off um, by locking myself out of my new office, so. I saw that,
0: the picture on Facebook was legit.
1: Yeah, and then I shut the door when I left and about broke my shoulder because I spun the door handle and put my shoulder into it and it was locked, so um, it was a great start to the <laughs> second day in my new office.
0: I've done that a few times myself, actually.
1: Thankfully, somebody was there to, that uh, felt my pain. Apparently, it happens often. So I'm never going to shut my office door again. So. Open door policy. That's it. No secrets. Yeah. No secrets in the office.
0: <laughs> this is Kevin Som. You're listening to the Heads and Tails podcast. We share stories of perseverance and inspiration in sports and in life. So thanks for tuning in to episode 12 of the Heads and Tails podcast. I'm with Alex Short. He's an adaptive CrossFit athlete and a huge Alabama fan. And I met Alex at the Working Wounded Games a couple weekends ago uh, near Washington, D.C. And to be honest, I've never met anyone that I immediately just liked uh as much as i liked alex he has got a a great personality and he definitely busted his ass at this competition so he's going to tell us about how he was born with a is it a congenital hand deformity is that what the diagnosis is
1: i I don't actually as i was kind of as i was kind of thinking about how the how it may go i actually don't know what it is um i was I was told by my mom um, and dad, of course, growing up that the umbilical cord somehow got wrapped around my right arm and it basically uh, prevented it from growing. Okay. So so I have the middle two fingers and middle two fingers of the hand, no, uh, whatever the two bones in your arm are. I'm not a, I don't know anything about the the human body, but
0: either do I, (laughs)
1: forearm or i don't, I don't yeah, know yeah basically i don't have those and then and then i have the uh I'll, I'll go with humerus i believe is what the other the other bone in the arm is but it's basically humerus and then um and then the the two middle fingers okay, sort of formed into a hand i really don't know what it what the technical jargon is but
0: so what do you I, say
1: uh i i say I, that I have a deformed right arm,
0: okay, all right, we'll go with that um so do you know what like the prevalence of this uh of this is like how
1: many kids are born like with that I absolutely no idea, none whatsoever um i in in my lifetime i uh, there was one other um in elementary school uh there was one other um person who had similar um it was it was a little bit different of a deformity, but it was a right arm deformity also. Um, and then, um, through obviously the competition that we'll get to later, um, I've noticed that it's obviously way more prevalent than I ever thought about or knew about growing up. So. Right.
0: All right. Cool. Um, so, do you remember the moment that you remembered that your your hand was different than your friends?
1: Um, a little bit. I tried to play it to my advantage. So. The 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 town that that I grew up in, um, Gadsden, Alabama, very small town, fifty thousand people maybe, um, and most of us, and I say us, just my group of friends, went to elementary school, high school, middle school, all even college. A lot of us went to college together, um, but soccer growing up was really the first, I guess, memory. I played under. Six soccer I played – I started playing when I was four, and a bunch of us played together. And I um, always kind of – always knew that something was different, but I think that – big credit to all my friends growing up. They – it was never um, – never, never
0: treated you different?
1: No, it was always – I was always, you know, one of the guys or whatever. But um in soccer it was, was always funny because one of the earliest memories I had, that I have of soccer – and, again, we can – Get into it a little bit later, but I always tell the story because I think it's funny. Um, <clears throat> I got the, the ball was kicked at me, and I, I I stuck my right arm out, and it hit my hit my right arm, and the ref called a handball. Right in the middle, you know, there's a hundred people there, maybe parents, kids, the whole there's kids uh, playing on the field next to us, and all that. Right. And he he stops play, calls a handball, and and I basically look at him, and I was like, I don't have a hand, so how can you, call a, handball? How you can call a handball? <laughs> And he just, and he was, he was a ref of somebody that refed us our whole life and knew ref, my brother and sister and all that stuff. And he just dropped his head, shook his head, laughed and kept going. I mean, it was just kind of one of those, the parents started cracking up. It was, that's that's funny. So did you gravitate? I was about four years old. Um, And I tried to use that excuse in the rest of my soccer days that, never worked um i always <laughs> I called for handball because as i got older i realized what exactly a handball meant that it didn't mean right it just,
0: involves your arm too right <laughs> that's right
1: yeah but i tried to use it this it didn't work
0: all right so did you gravitate towards soccer because you didn't have to use your hands or
1: um no there's actually a running joke that i'm only good at sports that require two hands it, <laughs> i don't i don't get it um but like the bowling darts all kind of stuff like that that you would think like i would gravitate towards stuff that i could just use my left hand left arm i'm really terrible at all of those things right. Um soccer was just my brother played it um my sister played it my mom was actually my first coach um she coached our under 16 so it was just it was a sport that we as a family all my siblings um played so that and golf were the first two um because my dad and brother uh, are big golfers, so <clears throat> those were in, and we grew up real close to a golf course. I was fortunate enough to; my dad was a member of, so I got to play anytime I wanted to. So, oh, that's cool. Those were those were sports that it, in the early stages of my career um, life, I guess career as a as a an amateur athlete. Um, those were kind of the first two, I guess.
0: So those are your two main sports that you play. Those in high school or.
1: I played, yeah, so I played soccer. I, I took off about four years, but I played up to 15, took freshman, sophomore, junior year off and missed it and ended up playing senior year. Um, golf was the exact opposite. I played golf freshman, sophomore, junior year and stopped my senior year. Um, or I, st- I was on the team, but only made it to a few matches because I, um, I focused on soccer. Um, and then I played basketball growing up too. Basketball, in all honesty, basketball is probably my favorite sport to play. Why is that? I I have no idea. I've always just I could go. I could shoot basketball for eight hours a day if I didn't have to have a job. I just I love shooting basketball. I was always a pretty good shooter, um, pretty slow, so I wasn't a great defender. But I basically, and most all of my teams had the green light to shoot if I was ever if I ever thought I was open. Nice. Uh, Me and the coach butted heads on whether. I was open or not. Um, but he, uh, it was kind of a no, 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 no. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Yeah, right. If it goes in, uh, but it was always my favorite. I still play uh, pickup from time to time. Uh, kind of think what else. So I played baseball one year. I was terrible. It was it was the worst. It was the most fun. It was one of the most fun seasons. But I was I was awful. We played. I think we won like four games out of thirty something. Was your team awful or were you awful or both? both both yeah i was because i grew up playing golf so i had that i had a golf baseball swing so everything i hit was basically a pop-up to the shortstop like real high i hit it a long way but it went yeah gotcha not not out all right Um, so
0: you played a lot of sports growing up so how did you adapt to each sport and like what obstacles did you come to when you started playing and then how'd you kind of work around them to
1: overcome them um Well, so to to just kind of go through some of the sports soccer, ironically, my first, the first position I ever played was goalie, which my mom was a great coach, except for that. I'm not real sure why she put me in goal. (laughs) It makes absolutely no sense. Um, But it was good. That was actually good because um, obviously you don't use your hands in soccer. So that's one of the few sports that I was pretty good at growing up that required no, um, you didn't have to have your hands, but basketball the the beauty of so uh, the the beauty of basketball was and and, and huge um I, I guess thanks to my parents because they're they never they they just sort of let me figure it out um and i've always i've always tried to instill even with again we'll get into this later but even with crossfit i'm always thinking like how the heck can I do this or that or whatever? And it's, I may, it just it takes a little more practice for me to figure it out. Right. But that's
0: like a natural instinct for you. Like you, you're constantly thinking of ways to uh, adapt, I guess. I, I'll try to think of a different word to use. So I'm not saying that every five seconds, but.
1: Yeah, well, I woke up the other day and I'm like, th- this was, I think earlier this week. I woke up and I was getting ready and I was thinking about how can I do handstand holds in the gym. So it's it's constant. There's some, there's always something going on, um, trying to figure out how to how to make things better. Right. Um, so basketball. The cool thing about basketball was, um, I'm kind of, I've always gravitated to the old school, like the Tim Duncan's of the world and Hakeem Olajuwon's, the guys with the turnaround hook shots and stuff. So right. The beauty of that was I was able to hook people, which is illegal or clear them out with my right arm um, in basketball and shoot hook shots left-handed and would never get called for it. So I, I played that to my advantage. Why um, do you think you didn't get called for it? I don't know. I think they just... They, because it was just such a sweet stroke, they didn't want to <laughs> take it away. Um, but so golf, the interesting thing there was um, my first club was actually a right-handed club, but which usually... I'm one of those that once I figure out a way to do it, I'll do it that way until I really have time to, to figure it out. But I've never, my first club was right-handed because that's what my dad and brother were. So that's the kind of clubs we had. Right, uh, But that didn't work for me. So I had to, I'm a, I'm a lefty and it just kind of, my right arm is just long enough to reach a standard Right, like uh, left-handed. Clubs. Oh, so so I see what you're saying, yeah. It 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 just at the it, just at the base of the grip. I have just right. enough there to stabilize. The, now the the obstacle is that I can I still don't um, can't hit the ball very far. My backswing is relative. It's three quarters at best. Um, so I can't take a full backswing because I just don't have. If I go any farther than three-quarters, my right arm comes off the club, which right. is a huge issue. Um, and I've seen some kids, there's a video that went, that was on Instagram of the little four-year-old kid just smacking the shit out of a golf ball, right? He was, the right, his right hand was missing. He was swinging with one arm and was just killing it. Um, but that was never, I couldn't stabilize enough to hit the ball um, anywhere. So I had to, Cut my swing down. With with that came better accuracy, though. So right, I do hit the I hit the ball in the fairway a pretty good bit. Um And then our head pro told me at a very young age, "You're not going to hit the ball a long way, so you better learn how to chip and putt." So I've always been pretty good at the short game. Um, but I, in all honesty, I think just letting letting me sort of figure it out was the was kind of the key um i mean there there were a bunch of obstacles like i said i would just basically i would have to practice more and i when i said i would shoot basketball i would go to the gym and just shoot and figure it out and it's like repetition yeah just what launch what launch angle it's like anything right like what works and what doesn't yeah so it was it took me a little longer and, and some things to get going but it was uh all in all i've Played just about everything at least for a year. Um, I gave baseball up after a year. I played football for a year. It was, I kicked and was a blocking dummy on offense. Blocking I, dummy, what does that mean? Oh, I mean I practiced with the offensive line. Oh, okay. Just got, just got my ass handed to me every day.
0: Was was uh, high school football in Alabama intense or?
1: Yeah, we. Yeah, it's 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 not. Was it like Hoover know, High? Yeah, they well they're now in our so the high school I went to just they combined and they're a bigger school now and they play Hoover but when I was there they um, they didn't but yeah Hoover uh, I don't know we would we would routinely at the height of our um, rivalry within a, a crosstown rival we would have fifteen or twenty thousand people at a game on Friday nights. So.
0: Damn, that's like fifteen times probably more than <laughs> the the crowd that we would get.
1: So it was, it was it was pretty intense. Cool. Um,
0: all right, so you talked about your, the obstacles that you came across in sports. What about in school, and did you ever have any, like, low moments, uh, you know, socially or emotionally, and how did you get through those? Because a lot of the people who, at least I'm targeting for this podcast, are people who – um play sports they have injuries and you know they're trying to work through these injuries and i know for myself with my head injury there was a a two-year span where i was really like feeling bad for myself and i was in a depression and it took a while for me to get out of there so i'm thinking that you know if i can get other athletes on here to kind of help you know give them tips to you know get over these obstacles that would be beneficial
1: i think for me and and i'll I always use the um sort of the thought that you you sort of if someone is blind they have a heightened sense of hearing or heightened sense of smell I almost think that and I don't know if it's the way I was wired or what but it's as far as being down it it's it's weird for me the, the way in all honesty the way that I'm wired i I have to think I have to like consciously think that I have something wrong with me. Okay. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Like I don't even realize it a lot of times and I'm like, Oh wait, I'll try to do something. I'm like, Oh, of course I can't do that. Or, you know, or, or, or I, I can't do it as fast or as quick as someone else. Um, but I think that it's sort of, and, and I work in healthcare and work with pro, like process improvement. And to me, The way people the way people perceive things perception is reality in a lot of cases so they perceive and I like that yeah where I'm going with it is we go in and look for areas of opportunity to make processes better in certain departments or areas of the hospital and it's a whole lot easier if there is a perceived issue because if there's not there can be stuff going wrong processes are terrible everything's going wrong, but if no, none of the staff perceive that it is, then they don't perceive there's no problem. There's no way to know. Right. So for me growing up, it was sort of, and I I don't know if it was was fortunate or lucky or what you want to call it, but um, I never really perceived myself as being having, not necessarily having a deformed arm, but being adaptive or being handicapped in any way. Right. Um, Therefore it was, my reality was that I wasn't, and I, and again, I, I, to, and not, and I don't know that I'll, I don't know that that'll necessarily help anyone that is going through um, anything. But what I would say was, and I've touched on it a couple times, is if you're the parent of someone who is born with something like that, sort of letting giving them the free reign to do and try anything they want and, and help them to a certain extent, but really kind of be hands off as much as possible to say, basically to not tell them no. Um, Like I guess the general knowledge would be, no, you don't need to go try to play golf. You have basically one and a half arms. It's not going to work. But instead of having that mentality, it's like, not only, not only do I think you can play golf, but here's a set of clubs, and you know, here's, right?
0: Give them the tools to to try it
1: out. Yeah, really uh, allow them to succeed. I guess is the is the thing. I, I, again, I've I've uh, I generally have not a lot of stress, and I don't. It's I don't know why because I'm in a stressful environment generally, but. Um, not a ton of stress and not a ton of uh, really depression. I've never thankfully have never yeah, that's, dealt that's... that. And I've been around quite a few people who have and I'm good friends with quite a few of them and it's I I, am very thankful daily that I, that's never been anything not to say it won't ever be but um, it's never been anything I've had to, to, um, to deal with but it, I think it's all because I it's a, it's a lot about how you perceive things right. um if you
0: you said perception is reality, right,
1: yeah, in a lot of cases i mean I, to me it was i never perceived a handicap, so it that was kind of my reality no was, I really like that i'm gonna make that the title of this episode i can i can do i can do whatever i want to um obviously within the law uh but I can do whatever <laughs> I want to and and uh and it. You know, you also have to understand that if you can't do it, you just can't do it. So what like, kind of things do you come across that you just can't do? Well, handstand holds right now. All right, uh, the there's, there's a lot of, and again, what we I know we'll talk about some CrossFit stuff, but there's been a lot of things that I don't get down in the dumps about, but they frustrate the hell out of me. Um, and even weightlifting in <clears throat> high school, um, I'd go to the gym and, and, when I was in really my whole life, I've done something in the gym of, of some kind and there's just certain lifts that I can't do. And it's annoying because they're, they're, they're good lifts or good movements that I just simply can't do. Like I'm never gonna, um, I love hiking, but I'm never going to go rock. Like I'm never going to rock climb.
0: Right. I I see, yeah, I see just, what you're saying. Yeah,
1: there's there certain things like that honestly require two hands, right. two arms that that I'm just never going to do, and I just it, through sort of telling myself that it's just not something you're going to do. You're going to do a whole bunch of other things that there, there's only 24 hours in a day, so right. you can't do all that stuff. Yeah, you know, not everybody's going to be good at everything, and I think we one thing that sort of, and this is a little bit of a tangent, go for it. The, the sort of the mindset of, and I'll say my generation, cause it is my generation. Um, and, and some of the younger people, but this, I think there's some fallacy in the, you can do anything you set your mind to, or everybody's equal and every, everything needs to be fair and stuff like that, because there are, I mean, there's a lot of things that I have physically just can't do. I mean, right. whether I want to, in my mind, that's one thing. But you have to understand that there are plenty of other things to do. I mean, right. there's alternatives I, I, out there. You know, if my I've had a good run. If my time ended today, I've had a I've had a heck of a 31 years. Awesome. And if never – Never really like, yeah, there's things I missed out on, but there's, there's a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of stuff that you can do with one arm, a whole bunch of stuff.
0: That's a, yeah, that's a great message for sure. Um All right. So basically what, my next question was actually like, how do you feel that your hands limited you? But from what you're saying, it really hasn't limited you at all for things that, you know, you want it to is, do and you uh, really try everything.
1: Right. It's limited me. But in that limitation, I, again, I'm realistic in my head because it's, it's more about your head than it is your physical makeup. Your brain controls a ton. Right. So um, it's while it has limited me, I haven't perceived the limitation because I'm realistic in the fact that there are certain things I'm not going to be able to do, and I'm completely fine with that.
0: Right. Very eloquently put. I like that. Um. All right. So, do you get? Does anyone like ask you questions about your hands that annoy you? Or, uh, like, a couple episodes ago, um, Lini Quinn, she was born with one hand, and she says that she has like religious people come up to her and like say, like, if you pray hard enough, your hand will grow or something like that. Well, that's
1: uh, no. I actually did listen to that podcast uh, after we talked. What'd you think Uh of it? I thought it was awesome, and and you in. I know your plan was to do a pre and post.
0: Yeah, it didn't really quite work um, out, but
1: it didn't work out. However, it kind of did because a lot of the questions that you ask her, as as I listened to it and you ask her questions, a lot of her answers were, would have been. Mine would have been very similar. Okay, in cool. A lot of those cases. So um, it did. It, it it is sort of a pre and post with two completely different people, but with similar, similar
0: situations. Story. Yeah.
1: Um, I've never really, nothing crazy like that. Um, it is kind of, and again, I, I sort of, it's funny to me for some odd reason. I have a weird sense of humor, but kids, and I completely understand it. Kids walk by and they stare and they like run and tap their mom. And they're like, look at him, look at him. Doesn't bother me a bit. Um, most of the, most of the questions are a lot of the kids that, they'll just come running right up and be like, what happened to your hand? Um, The greatest story I have about that is, and I do this often, again, deranged sense of humor, uh, is if I'm ever at the beach and somebody comes up and asks me what happened, I always tell them I got bit by a shark. Um, So, and that really sends them into a, especially the younger kids, they, they don't. They don't really know how to react to it. So well, if
0: the water's crowded, that's one way to get them out of the water too.
1: Right. We, it. It just. I basically get asked. You know. What. What happened to your hand? Um. I, there are some people that are like, "Oh, I feel sorry for you," and I'm like, eh, "You don't have to. That. That's going to do you no good. That, and I don't really believe you." Um, <laughs> so, yeah. No, nothing. Nothing crazy like. Um, like she was saying with the with the religious people that that's just weird yeah right i couldn't believe it was like probably, the I'd my never, assumption is i probably tell those people often in, in some fashion <laughs> well while, while i think i do think praying works I, I don't i'm not gonna waste my time praying for that
0: right all right all right so let's talk about your decision to go to the university of alabama and then eventually uh the university of south carolina
1: yeah so um Alba, the Alabama part was pretty easy. Uh, grew up in northeast Alabama. It's kind of a one or the other type thing. You're either an Alabama fan or you're an Auburn fan. Um, my dad went to Alabama. Um, sister got a degree from Alabama. Uh, and I was initially, my initial plan was to go to pharmacy school, um, which would not have been Alabama. It would have been Sanford University, which is a a private um, a private university in Birmingham. Um but I worked for a couple years in a pharmacy and just I didn't it wasn't, really wasn't for you, yeah. No, that 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 job is not what I wanted to do. I did I knew I wanted to stay in healthcare. Um but so I went to the university still not really having made up my mind. Figured I'd go get my chemistry degree and roll into pharmacy school. Thankfully came across uh the health administration program director um, and, and that sort of guided, guided my change over into the business school. Um, and then took a couple years off, uh, moved to upstate New York, like real upstate New York, like Canada, 27 miles from the Canadian border. What were you doing up there? Uh, my brother works, he's the CIO of a hospital and I did, I worked in their emergency department in registration. Okay. Um, which was as far as understanding healthcare, working in an ed you'll learn it quicker than you will anywhere else because that's the start of healthcare care for most people right people who who seek health care go to an emergency room at some point in time yep um, so that that was really cool and and I learned, I learned i learned a lot there i also learned that if i never see another snowflake in my life i will not complain <laughs> yeah you're not used to that oh my gosh it would two three inches of snow a year so um knew I wanted to go get my MHA, which is master's in health administration, um, applied to four schools, uh, got into three of them and ended up moving to Columbia and going to USC. Cool. It was basically it would have been there or university of Oklahoma were kind of my, the two that I was down to. And I know that it's just a little closer to home. Um, I had some family that lived here, so it was a, it wasn't as it wasn't a tough decision but yeah
0: one of my buddies went there i think i told you that and i would go down there for spring break and it was awesome it was definitely like a good yeah, alternative to a, a beachy spring break
1: yeah it's quite funny that the people that live have lived here their whole life hate it i've been here for five or six years and i still like it i still yeah. like it. yeah what do you like most about health care um I, I think in in the position that i'm in it's it's, and the sort of the, the go-to answer is to help people and right, help patients, right. but mine's a little, ultimately it gets there, but it's, I think the way that health care is being delivered now is not, it's not sustainable basically. So, um, what we do in and sort of process improvement is trying to improve processes so that. Patients can be cared for more efficiently, better quality, some of that. So so in the end, it does get to sort of the, the patient, right. but it's, it's really my passion to try to change healthcare in a way that will be sustainable so that in 10 years, I mean, hos, hospitals and emergency departments are closing at an alarming rate because they just can't they can't make enough money to stay open so right. um there there really is going to have to be a big it's going to have to be flipped on its head and that's kind of that's sort of what I want to do Right, and that's, that's kind of why I got into it
0: spearhead so. that all right um all right so when did you start getting into crossfit
1: um when i was <clears throat> when i was in grad school was the, was when the, i first started really knowing about it I, way so another kind of funny story uh, when I lived in upstate New York, so this was 08 or 09. No, yes. 08 09, Um There's a young life camp up there. And I had a buddy that, that works uh, for young life. And he brought some students up and it was a couple hours away. So I went and spent the day with him and like part of the way through the day, he's running up and down the hills and doing handstand pushups and, pull-ups and all this goofy stuff i'm like what are you doing and this that's where i first heard of it um i'm like this looks awful and sounds awful <laughs> it just sign me up right it just it doesn't sound like anything i'm ever going to be able to do um and then you you kind of you see it on tv and it's it's these elite athletes and a lot of people they're like i can't do crossfit have you ever seen it i'm like have you ever seen the nfl i mean you're not gonna you can go play flag football though you don't you're right. not gonna get that level, um, so again, I had to rethink, and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, he he was a pretty good athlete, and while I may not do what he can do, I can I can do other stuff. But in grad school, they had a couple buddies that were members of um, the gym that I'm currently a member of, and it just at the time in grad school financially it didn't make sense to. I mean, we had free access to a massive gym on at usc yeah Um, the
0: gym is really nice too it's got like an indoor track too right right yeah so
1: so it didn't it didn't make fiscal sense to me to to join but um as soon as i graduated and and started my job and actually started making money um i was pretty excited actually to get started because one of the coaches was i would talked to and he was um I think I don't know if excited is the word, but he was at, at least willing to take me on as a project, right. um, if nothing else. And, and all in and, and all, retrospect, all the coaches there were. So um, I've been doing CrossFit for I guess two and a half years, a little over. Um,
0: What's your favorite part about CrossFit?
1: I think it's the, the it's definitely the challenge. Um, the community is great, but. Um, selfishly, it's the, it's the challenge of trying to, trying to do things that I'd for many years in a, in a normal gym setting, um, was sort of a, I guess, I don't know. It wasn't necessarily a pipe dream, but it was just something that I never thought I'd be able to do. Right. Um, so to me, it's, it's the challenge of going in there every day, looking at the workout and either being excited because i'm like okay i can do all those movements um being mad because it's a movement that i really hate doing overhead squats being one of them um or okay i don't i'm not real sure how i'm going to do this but i'll scale it today and do something else um but that sort of gets my will spinning on how can i do it
0: right in the future
1: uh, i like what i just i like doing things like that. i like thinking and and trying to find better ways to do stuff so
0: cool yeah i i like crossfit in a similar way because there's always something you can get better at no matter what you know even when you think you're good at something you could always get better at it
1: and when you're bad at everything you have (sighs) nothing to do but get better yeah you got a lot of opportunities to get better yeah
0: um all right so when did you start competing
1: uh actually the um river ruckus which is the old river ruckus is in Asheville, north carolina and some of the people from our gym were doing a team event and it was like four days before i'm talking talking to him about it and registration closed uh for the event he's like yeah i think they're having an adaptive division and i was like oh that's pretty cool i wish you had told me about that (laughs) when you signed up um And I started looking into it, and they did have an adaptive division. So I sent them a message on Facebook and said, hey, I just found out about this. I'm interested. Uh, Is there any way I can still compete? It was like three days out. And they are like, yeah, sure. So they had one spot open. So I did that. And then at the end of the competition, um, I met Sarah, who works for Crossroads Adaptive. Um, And she said, she basically said, so I'll see you in November. And I had no clue what she was talking about. Um, She said the working warrior games date Washington, DC. And I was like, I'll be there. Um, So started waiting for registration and all that signed up. And so those are actually the only two um, competitions I've ever done. I do feel that those will be at least two that I do um, on a yearly basis and, I know working warrior games is starting to spread um, as yeah, far all as all
0: over the state. world, right?
1: Right. Yeah. So they're actually having one in North Carolina in March so I you know, plan on being there. I don't yeah. know what's going to happen between now and then, but um, yeah. Cool.
0: Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about the working wounded games events and so the first workout was what? It was the shoulder to overhead and the ball slam?
1: Yep. Three, six, nine, twelve. I I will never forget these workouts because they absolutely destroyed my shoulder yeah. all weekend. So They're let me just
0: explain better. what the shoulder to overhead is for people who don't know what CrossFit is. So basically you gotta take the a barbell from the ground, bring it to your shoulder, and then press it in some way overhead. Um, and then the slam ball, which is basically just picking up this heavy ball on the floor, lifting it over your head and then slamming it down back on the ground. So what was, what was difficult about that, um, uh, that workout and had you ad- adapt?
1: I'm, uh, I'm real bad overhead when it, that's one of my deficiencies. I have terrible shoulder mobility and I'm not really that strong. Uh, so those are my two, those are the two issues I have with the workout. Um, the weight was, was heavy, but I, I knew I could do that many reps. Um, I think. My problem was the biggest issue with overhead for me is when I take it from the ground, I, when I clean it, I, my hand, so I pick it up in the middle of the bar for balancing purposes. Right. I clean it. My left hand, I catch it on my right shoulder, basically. Right. And my, my left hand moves out and I, I try to press it quickly well, the, the problem is I can't go touch and go because my hand is now not in the center of the bar. Right. I basically have to do singles the entire, like I can't hang on to the bar because I'm not in the center. See so that's saying, one, yeah. that's one thing that's tough for me overhead. Um, that workout, the three, the six and the nine felt okay. Um, and then about four reps into the 12, it just smacked me right in the <laughs> face. It was tough. And, and I I, I'm pretty sure it took me – I don't remember the exact time that he called out, but I felt real good after the nine, and it felt like the 12 and the 15 rounds. just never ended, yeah. Forever. Yeah. And my hand was – I don't know, my forearm was shot, my shoulder was shot, my triceps were shot. Um, But it was it was definitely my, – my goal was to finish under the time cap, and I accomplished that goal, so I was – while I finished nowhere near the top, I was still... Yeah, yeah. you still finished. I, that I finished it, yep. yeah. All
0: right, what was the second workout? There were so many things going on at the same time I had a hard time. So, like...
1: so my second workout, and I will add that it was five hours after my first one, <laughs> I, I rewarmed up about four It was times. a long day. Uh, but it was the Atlas Stone and Kettlebell Swing, which was...
0: I can't believe that was the second one. That you're right, it was like five hours after the first workout.
1: Yeah. I don't. I, I'm not sure if I. I don't know. I, I think I might have been one of the few, which I'm fine with. You know, yeah. everybody's not going to have a great schedule, and right. if I was the one that didn't have it, that's I'm fine with it. Whatever. Um, but that workout was, again, um, when I was talking about I do. Once I figure something out, I just. For the, in the short time, I just do it until I can think about how to do it better. But right.
0: So the Atlas Stone, what what were the weights of the, the stones you had to lift up onto the platforms?
1: So it started with seven, 70 was the, sh, was the lightest and 120 was the I think it was like 70, 95, 105, 115, 120 or something like Something like, like that. that, yeah. Um, and then, then, then the you had kept,
0: kettlebell swings in between.
1: It was 70... 70-pound kettlebells down to, I'm not sure what the hacks were on the kettlebells. Um, It was real freaking heavy. The first one down to this is over and this is a light kettlebell, so it wasn't too bad. Right. Um,
0: Did you have any practice with the Atlas Stones uh, before you went to the competition or you kind of literally just?
1: No. So Friday we went for the athlete briefing and they, they told us what all the workouts were. So we knew some of the movements, but we didn't know rep scheme or weights or anything like that. So um, Friday night, the night before, they let us told us the workouts and then let us kind of play around with with the equipment. Um, and again, it was I had I thought about it for five seconds and was like, "This is how I think this might work," and it worked. So I just went on to the next practice, something right. else, because I was like, "I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time <clears throat> lifting." 115-pound stone for no reason. Right. You already know you got it. So basically I used the same. I used that technique Saturday also. And kettlebell swings, I'd actually, I had gone overhead with a 70-pound kettlebell, but I've never actually swung it with it. And I use wrist straps a lot because my grip's not very good either. Um, But that was the biggest that was the hurdle for me once i got those 10 70 pound kettlebell swings out of the way i was i was i knew i was good because i knew the rest of them the rest of the weights and the rest of the atlas stones wouldn't be any problem but right that was a tough that was a grip burner also
0: so what was the the last workout i didn't get to see that you had two more though after that didn't you oh
1: I, I went i went my work i went like 11 o'clock and then 4.30, 36 30 So I went... See, all three, the last yeah, three in, I, in a row, yeah. Basically back to back to back, which, you know, that's whatever. I didn't have to, re, I didn't have to warm up, that's for sure. <laughs> um, the third one was, uh, it was 10 calories on the ski erg. Um, I don't know if you want to give an explanation of the...
0: Yeah, so an erg, a regular erg is a rowing machine so it simulates rowing on a boat I guess you could say and right. then the ski erg is it's more upright so it's like up against a wall and it's supposed to mimic uh cross country skiing so you can kind of so, p- picture the the hand motions
1: there so we did we did 10 calories on that and then um med ball shot put for down to a rower an, an adjacent rower so if i was i was in lane basically the second ski skier so then i also had the second rower so it was 10 calories on the skier throw the ball down to the rower row 20 meters throw the ball back 10 calories on. it was supposed to be 12 minutes i don't know that i'd be talking to you today if it was 12 <laughs> minutes i might have died it was because they were running behind they, were, they only made it six minutes okay I, yeah I halfway down it's a big so difference. Twelve minutes, I would have wholly died. Um, but you, get, you basically got a point for everything you. So ten calories, you got a point. Throw the ball, you get a point. Twenty calories on the road, you get a point. Um, and that's how that worked. It was it was pretty rough because I'd never done. I did a few pulls on the skier again Friday night, but that's the first first time I have really been. I've really had do that and it was it was rough
0: yeah i've never had to i never tried that ever so was it i'm
1: a decent rower we row a pretty good bit at our gym but the the ski yard was something new all right and uh definitely was, want to try that at some point it was um, fun not fun at the same time so what was the last workout so the last one was the the one thing i did not want to hear um when they announced the last workout i thought it was a set. It, I'd heard it was supposed to be a seven minute, um, like snatch AMRAP, and it was total tonnage. Uh, so you could pick your weight. And right. I was, okay. You gotta be kidding me. This, my, I can do nothing more with my shoulders. Um, thankfully, it wasn't seven minutes. Again, it ran a little bit behind. So it was a two minute, it was two minute basically hip to overhead so you had to start in the hang position okay you could, it wasn't from the floor but it was hip to overhead which was just I, I did the bar i did 45 pounds and it was about all i could i tried the first two reps i tried snatching and it was it was not happening so i ended up going i ended up cleaning cleaning, and pressing it the rest of the time all right um
0: but everyone did that one right
1: yeah every every athlete did the did the exact same, basically, you know, if you're in a wheelchair, you could start at your, you want to basically an even playing field. Everybody had to right. go from hip to, hip to overhead. Um, I think most people did, I think the Spartan division, um, which was the, the more elite athletes did maybe 75 or 95 or something. Um, but I think most of, <clears throat> most of the non-Spartan athletes did, I think 45 pounds. I All think right. It was kind of the standard way. What was
0: your favorite part about the whole day?
1: I'll tell you uh it was um, really watching other watching everyone else. Um because I think a lot of times you sort of to what we were talking about earlier, the whole perception thing. And and, and some people again, I never I never really perceived myself as having a, a handicap, but i I look at a lot of these people and and see why some of them perceive that, and especially if they i was i feel lucky enough to be born with it, but some of these guys who are in the military and they were in you know they had they had limbs blown off in in war and I mean to me that's that that's your that's the real here like those are the people I enjoyed watching almost went there as much for that as I did competing. Right. Cool. Competing was just kind of – just because those are the – it's one thing to be born with it because I've had my whole life to kind of figure it out. But it's another thing to be completely able-bodied for most of your life and then have a tragic event happen. And then you're sort of starting over your life 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years into it, which – a lot of what you do is sort of rhythmic and your muscles are trained to do things a certain way. Yeah, you used to doing yeah, living life a certain it's, way, right? It's, it's true adaption. You're truly adapting to what, you know, life has thrown at you. So watching, watching some of those guys and girls just go out there and I would consider myself more able-bodied than a lot of them. And they were doing things that I, don't I don't think I'll ever be able to do I mean there's some of those weights they were lifting um I, I don't they're not they're not anywhere on my radar screen yeah so
0: I've been to so many CrossFit competitions and I've never been to anything like that with like the level of intensity and like people were just like getting after it I've like never seen that like level of and effort out of
1: anyone in my life it was awesome the crowd is outstanding too and I think they although it did take a little longer I think having one heat go at a time to me was awesome right it enhances the crowd you're right you get to see everybody instead of having three or four things going on at once right um i I think that was cool just to just to be able to and and i i did a little bit of stretching on the side but i tried my best to watch as many heats and as many people and stuff as i can because it was they're pretty stinking amazing
0: yeah really cool all right, I got a few more questions uh, bef- before we close it out. So I'm gonna am I'm gonna say four words, and I want you to say what your what the first thing that comes to mind when you hear these words. I asked this to Lini too. So, um, what comes to mind when you hear the word disability?
1: Uh, the the little blue wheelchair guy on the parking spots <laughs> really close to.
0: That's uh, something that she said too. The door all right what about handicap
1: um i think kind of the same thing i i, I feel like those are kind of the same thing kind of yep synonymous a little bit
0: all right and then inspiration
1: inspiration um man i guess i'm supposed to say the first thing i'm still thinking <laughs> i think and, and I think for me growing up, I'll just go with my uh, my favorite athlete, which somewhat pains me to say because he went to Auburn, but huge Frank Thomas fan growing up. Um, and awesome baseball player. I think it was cool because he kind of played in the steroid era and was never linked to anything.
0: Right. Um, well, what about to, him did you like or that you uh, admired?
1: I just, he, he seemed to – Number one, I think he was a good person, which I think ultimately, more, more than a good athlete, I think I always tended to gravitate toward the athletes that were – that. and I don't know him personally. He may have been a terrible human, but my thoughts are just – I. he seems like an overall good dude. Right. I mean, that, those are generally the, the athletes that aren't in the media. I mentioned Tim Duncan earlier. People that you don't see. You never saw Frank Thomas – linked to steroids you never saw him beating his wife you never saw him doing drugs i mean he just and to me that's that says way more about a person than any athletic ability so all right all right cool like knowing, playing a sport and doing it right sort of quote the right way was sort of what i always tried to do i'd all get right, my man. cheap shots in when i could but <laughs> i tried to i tried to do it the right way as much as possible. <laughs>
0: see i'm a, I'm a huge Tim tebow fan I know you probably don't want to hear that
1: I but, it. I, but i, I like
0: I, him for the same reasons yeah
1: I really do like tebow i i liked it when um uh, we beat him but also as a as a person I'm not so sure you're gonna find a better guy i mean he's he just seems very genuine and right
0: yeah i got the i intern for the jets um after I graduated from undergrad. And that was the year that Tebow was there, and I actually got to throw. I got to throw with him before practice one day. It was like I was like a giddy little schoolgirl. It was like the best. I'll never forget. I got a picture of it. Uh, They just happened to be taking pictures like that morning. They posted on the 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 website, and it was me throwing with Tebow. So I slapped on my fridge right now.
1: Nice. Um, I I would be the same. I'd be the same.
0: (laughs) Uh, Then the last question or the last word is adaptive.
1: Um things basically what I do every day in the gym in some fashion whether it's mindset or, or actual movement. All right. Um yeah, that's
0: All right. So let's have a, a conversation about Alabama football first before I ask you the last question. Okay. So what do you think about the the team this year who you know, do you think they're going to win a national championship?
1: I hope. Uh, no, I think we're it, so and I'm I don't usually mix words when I when I I'm I'm pretty unbiased. I'm a huge alabama fan but extremely unbiased in sports in general. And this is the first year since Nick Saban got there that we I think we have gotten progressively better as the year goes. And I say that because I think that in years past we've started off with all these high hopes and I almost see regression in some areas. Um but I think this is the best – I think I can say with certainty it's the best defense I've seen under shaven All right. Definitely That's saying something too, side. right? They're, I've never seen us get pressure with our front four like we are. So, And we have a monster of a man running the football. Um, so defense and running game, I'm yep. kind of old school in my thinking. So I'm a big fan of this year's team.
0: Awesome. This week they got Charleston Southern, right?
1: Yep. Charleston Southern, Auburn. What did Coach
0: Saban say about uh, the Georgia Southern game
1: from – was it last year? Oh, uh, I was actually talking to my dad about it, that. We last. I out. love that. That was great. I was, they, I ran, they ran thing, through man. us like shit through a tin horn. Yeah.
0: That was awesome. Um, all right. I'll give you my last question. Uh, so when you're long and gone um, 200 years from now, if you could write a letter to a kid – I asked this to Salini too um, – who was born with a, a deformed hand –
1: what would you tell them to, I think I hit on it a little bit earlier, but so, so have the mentality that you can do anything, but be realistic. Don't spend, you only have a certain amount of time on earth. Don't spend it trying to do things that you can't do. Under, I mean, there there are there are just things you're not going to be able to do. Right, just don't drive yourself crazy. Yeah, scrap them. Don't waste your time. Find things that are fun. Do them. Do them well. Do them a lot. Um, and I don't know. I'm I'm just a big fan of having fun. Having fun in whatever you do. It's it's just it's too much. It's too much effort to be upset and to pout and uh, right scream and cuss and i wish i talked
0: to you when i when i was told i couldn't play football anymore i think it yeah, you would have set me straight find, yeah
1: yeah find something to do yep. i mean there there's a ton of stuff out there and it just i think that's what people get hung up on uh, sort of my my parting words with this this mantra that you hear everywhere you can do anything you set your mind to no you can't you, <laughs> within us within certain right, realms, right right i'm just being real there yeah I'm never, I don't care how hard I try, I'm never going to be a quarterback of an NFL team. I don't care how bad I want to be or how much I set my mind to, I'm never playing quarterback for anybody. So I didn't waste my time trying to play quarterback for anybody. Right. So I think that's, that's my parting shot is understand that you can't, you can't do anything, anything that you want to do, but. You you can spend a lot of time having fun doing things that you can do, I guess. Right. Which is, I've tried to fill my life with things that I can do and that I have fun with, and I think that's why my stress level overall is pretty low, and I've, I'm pretty, I don't know, I'm pretty outgoing, happy-go-lucky, um, kind of guy. So I think that I would agree with the that. Yeah. that I've had my whole life is pick what you can do and do do good at it and have fun with it awesome
0: um just to finish it out give me give me your best roll tide roll tide roll all right alex thanks so much i'm i'm so glad that i met you at the working wounded games and uh i hope you can look back on this episode and, and you like it awesome i appreciate the opportunity yeah thanks for your time alex yeah. All right. See you, buddy.
1: See
0: you. Right. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening this week. Um, I heard that the weather might be getting a little frightful out there. And if you're by a fire, it might be pretty delightful. But in case you don't have any place to go, I thought of a few things that you could do in the meantime. Uh, that first, you could start off by uh, following us on Instagram and also following us on Twitter now. I got a twiddle hand. Twitter, twiddle, twiddle. Tweet a little, little, Okay, I got a Twitter handle, and it—they're both at at heads is in your head. The letter N, and then tails, spelled T-A-L-E-S. But on Twitter, I couldn't get that handle, so I had to add a little P-O-D at the end. Um, so, which is obviously short for podcast. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. And I, I'm really looking for that that first five-star review. I want to do it myself, but I feel like kind of bad about it. So I might just do it anyway to kind of start a trend. But if you could be that guy to start the trend, I would give you the biggest air hug ever. And also thanks for the continued support throughout the last 12 weeks. And remember that you can't always control what happens to you in life, but you can always
1: control how you respond. See you next week.